Amen. Thank you, Miss Denise. What a beautiful song and, and a beautiful praise. God is good, isn't he? And I like to see the Lord just come through and in our daily lives and hear about God's blessing. And this is how he takes care of us, don't you? Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and then once you find your place there, if you would also go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we'll look at a verse in both of these places. And let's see what they have in store for us today. Romans chapter 1 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. All right, we're going to begin reading in verse 8, Romans chapter 1. We'll read down through verse 12, and then we'll look at 2 Thessalonians, just one verse there. All right, if you found your place, let's stand together. We'll have prayer and then begin reading in verse 8. Let's pray together. Lord, how we love you today and how we do thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, as we take some time aside during this season, Lord, just to be grateful and thank you and praise you for the goodness that you've bestowed upon us during this past year. Lord, we, we pray that you'll just stir our remembrance. Lord, that you'll just stir our hearts in gratitude and praise for all the things that you've done. And then, Lord, our desire would be that you would receive our praise and our gratitude. Lord, as part of our worship of who you are and what you've done in our lives. And Lord, today we do praise you for who you are, just for being you. Because we know you are good and all things work together for our good because of that. And so, Lord, we thank you for being our Lord, being our Father, for guiding us, providing for us, taking care of us so well as you do. And, Lord, in our hearts are truly grateful. We ask you now, Lord, as we come to your word, that you would do your work in our hearts, in our lives, that you'd stir our thoughts, that you would remind us of things, that you would... Make us aware of things, that you'd be our teacher and guide, Lord, as we read the scriptures today. Impress upon our hearts those things we should think of and know, the things that we need to take with us into this week, and help us to do those things that you'd have us do. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. All right, Romans 1, verse 8, notice Paul writing here says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. What a beautiful passage. Hold your place there if you would, and let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, just verse 3. Paul says there, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Thank you so much. You may be seated. 
Do you notice what these two passages of Scripture have in common? Paul is writing to these different groups of believers. As he shares with his heart with them, we find that, that out of his heart is coming thanksgiving and praise to God. But what these two passages have in common is that which Paul is praising God for. Did you catch it? So the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1, and also again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul is thanking God for those believers. Notice he says uh, in verse 8, he said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Wow. You know what Paul's really saying in these two passages? As he writes to these different groups, he's, he's telling them, he's communicating his heartfelt praise, his thankfulness, if you will. And he's writing and he's saying, you know what? He said, he's saying, and if, it, and if it would be fitting this time of year, he's saying, I'm thankful for you. Man, that's good, isn't it? I mean, you know, of all the things to be thankful for during this Thanksgiving season, if we understand the values of God, then we have to know that it's those things that pertain to people that is most precious. Now, look, we're, we're thankful for, uh, like we read in the songs, and, and maybe as we give testimony from time to time, we can be thankful for God's provisions in life. We can be thankful for, you know, our, our vehicles that are faithful to take us to and from. We can be thankful uh, for our homes, a comfortable place to live. We can be thankful for our jobs, a, a nice place to work, and all of these other material things. But, you know, the truth is, one of these days, those things will all be passed. And what eternal value is there? In and of themselves, there's none. It's all in how we use those things, isn't it? And the way we use our blessings and our provisions needs to be connected with the way we love and help and serve others in some way. And when we make that connection, we, we add eternal value to everything that we connect with in that way. Paul is focusing on that as he realizes that the people in life are, are most important. And the things that we do for others and with others, that really is the most valuable, isn't it? And Paul is, is reflecting that in his writings. And he's reflecting that in his praise and in his thankfulness. He said, most of all, I'm thankful for you. So what was Paul thankful for? He kind of spells it out in the passage. And it's really good because it, it helps give us understanding of this great value and this truth that, that he's writing about. So Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, look at verse 8. He said, I'm thankful for your testimony. Notice in verse 8, he said, first, I thank God. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Why is he thankful for them? It says that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, when other people speak of your faith, when it's personal like that, we tend to refer to that aspect as testimony, right? He's not just talking about the body of, of doctrine that you, you believe. He's talking about the way you live it out. He's talking about your faith. He said your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world, so that would be what we would call your testimony, the way God works in and through you in, in your life. This is your testimony. How valuable is that? 
Testimony is a valuable thing, isn't it? The world calls it reputation. And we call it testimony, right? And, and you can really look at that in a lot of different ways. Because really, rep- reputation is, is what people think you are. Testimony really is who you really are, isn't it? And you know, how many of you are aware that, that sometimes there is a, a gap between who people think you are and who you are? There's a gap sometimes in there between who you want to be and, and who you are, Right? And so Paul is saying, I'm thankful that your testimony, who you are, what what is coming out of you, right? He said, I'm thankful that that's being spoken of everywhere. You know, John said it this way. He said, I I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And, you know, you think about it, the, the people that you minister to, the people that you've won to Christ, doesn't it thrill your heart when you see them grow and serve identify with Christ, when you see them living rightly and making good choices and bettering themselves and their lives and and all those around them because now they're following Christ, because now they have a testimony that speaks of the Lord. How encouraging is that? Paul said, I'm thankful for your testimony. You know, we ought to all stop this week as we give God thanks and we ought to just take a a little look back and see where God has brought us from and the progress that we may have made over the year or over the years. And just realize that we are who we are by the grace of God and the goodness of God and maybe a few others that God has used to help bring us on our way. And we should be thankful for our testimony in Christ because who we are in Jesus today, we can thank God for that because of the goodness of God. He made all the difference. He made us what we are, and everything that's good and everything that we give praise for is because of him. And Paul is writing about that. He said that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Wow, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? You know what really is exciting on an evangelistic level, maybe on a preacher level, maybe on a, on a discipleship level? What's really exciting is he didn't say your faith is spoken of in your whole community. In your whole city, some cities are larger than others. That's a big thing. But he said, your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Your faith is being spoken of throughout the whole world. And they didn't even have television and Facebook and all of that, right? So how were these people becoming known everywhere? Why were people talking about them? Well, I don't specifically know because he doesn't record the details, but but I'll promise you this, everything good that came about that made people talk and share and all of that, it was all because of God, because of his work in their life, because of who they had become in Christ. The goodness of God being reflected now in their life was being spoken of everywhere. And that is something to be thankful for, isn't it? Are you thankful for your testimony this morning? Are there people in your life that you would say this morning, I'm thankful for their testimony? I'm thankful that they know Christ. I'm thankful that they know the goodness of God. I'm thankful that they know the Christian life. Hey, there's no better life to live than the Christian life. And I'm glad that the Word of God teaches us the values and and, and the principles 
uh, of right and wrong and good and evil. And, you know, God shows us what is good in this life. And when we walk with him, it shows. The Bible refers to it as light. It shows. So our testimony, when we live out the, the faith, when we, when, we, when we live and choose the things that God said are right, the Bible calls that light. And the Bible says, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father, which is in heaven. Isn't it amazing that sometimes you don't even have to say you're a Christian, especially in the days we live in. Just do the right thing, and guess what? Everybody will know. Because there's a lot of people these days who don't think like that, who don't live like that, who don't choose like that, they don't behave like that. And where do we get it from? We get it from the Bible. We get it from the Lord. We get it from our God. And it's interesting, isn't it, that, that when they see that, the light comes on, and, and it's light to them. And it's amazing how they can look at us and know, oh, yeah, that, there's a Christian right there. Well, I knew you went to church, right? I, I knew you. You're one of them. And, you know, those statements confess a lot, don't they? They tell us that while you're one of them, they're, they're saying they're not. You know why? Because light shines in darkness. You don't have to be a bright light, but when the room is really dark, guess what? Everybody can see it, even if it's just a little match. Your testimony. Paul was certainly thankful for the testimony of these believers. But not only that, he was not only thankful that they were living for the Lord and thriving in their Christian life and growing in so much that it was recognizable to other people. But he said, guess what? He said, I'm also thankful for your company. Notice in verses 11 and 12, in Romans 1, Paul says, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Isn't that something? There's some powerful things in these two verses. First of all, let me, let me chase a rabbit. Can I do that? Look at verse 11. You know what that means, right? When the preacher gets off topic and gives you a side note, people call that a rabbit trail, chasing a rabbit. All right, so this is rabbit hunting right here, okay? I haven't got to go hunting yet, so, so this, is my, this is my beginning, right? And, and by the way, if you're not a hunter, that's fine. You just, you just need to think of this as bonus material, right? This is free for nothing. This is extra, right? Extra stuff, good stuff right here, all right? How many of you like extra, especially at lunchtime? Like a little extra, maybe seconds, whatever you want to call it. But here's some of that, right? Look at what Paul says in verse 11. He said, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Watch, to the end you may be established. What end is he talking about? He, he's talking about his goal. He's talking about a means. What he's really saying is there's a purpose in, in what we're doing. Right? Paul always had an agenda. He was not really a time waster. I mean, he did things for a reason. And he said, when we get together, it's going to be for your benefit. To the end, ye may be established. Isn't that right? Hey, you know what? We ought to stop once in a while and, and really understand. Ask the question, why do we do what we do? Have you ever thought about that? Hey, let me ask you a question. Why did you come to church today? 
Well, I'm supposed to. Well, that's a good answer, but it's not the best answer. Why did you come to church today? Well, it's Sunday. Well, that's a good answer, but it's not the best answer. Right? Why'd you come to church today? Well, my parents told me to. <laughs> that's a good answer, but it's not the best answer. You see what I mean? Paul said there's an end. There's a reason. Hey, guess what? Everything we do, ought to, we ought to have an end in mind. There ought to be a reason. We should be trying to accomplish something here, and we are, right? So we meet, we worship, we assemble, and a lot of things happen during this, during this assembly time, all right? Right now, we're experiencing the preaching time, so we're being fed spiritually to the end that we can grow and be established by being nurtured spiritually and being taught good things, right? There ought to be a reason why we have Sunday school and a reason why we have church gatherings, a reason why we come together in fellowship. Right? And every ministry that we establish as a church should have a purpose and a meaning and an end. This is the end result. We're trying to accomplish something by what we're doing. Right? And that's what makes us effective. That's what makes it meaningful. Paul said our coming together is meaningful. Notice he said, I'm getting back off the rabbit now. I'm coming back to the main point here. Notice what he said here, that I may be comforted together, watch this, with you. You might underline that. Paul's saying, I'm thankful for your company. He's saying, I, I, I want to take some time. I, I want to be with you. Have you ever just, are, are there people that you just really enjoy being with? Are there people that just really do you good and you do them good? And it's good when you get together. There's always a good end result out of that. This is what Paul's saying. He said, we're going to be comforted. He mentions one of the benefits of being comforted together with you. That's pretty awesome. You know, the Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron. It says, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, right? So we sharpen one another. When two people get together, and by the way, they can be two good people, two great people. When they get together, there ought to be sharpening going on. They ought to benefit each other. They ought to comfort each other. They ought to edify each other. But sometimes, two people, even two good people, can get together and the opposite happens. And they don't sharpen one another. They, they pull each other down instead of pulling each other up. It's like, it's like the wrong end of two magnets. They should come together, but there's some force there, right? That magnetic force is just not working with them like it should. And that's why parents ought to be concerned with who their, friends, who their kids' friends are. Make sure there's a positive influence going on there. Make, make sure there's good coming out of this relationship. That's why parents ought to be concerned about who their kids are dating and who they're involved with and where they're going and what they're doing. Right? And if you're a parent, you're struggling with that, especially if your kids are older or what they think is old enough to make their own choices and decisions. Right? And that's where my kids are. And it's kind of hard because they think they're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, right? So there's no need to tell mom and dad where we're going or what we're doing or why we're there or when we'll be back or any of that, right? So every once in a while, every once in a while, you have to sit them down and watch the news and say, you see what happened? So if you ever come up missing, I at least need to know which direction to go look for you in. Help me out here a little bit, you know? I mean, <laughs> and we had a situation couldn't get a hold of one of our children. 
okay, well, they're big, right? We're not supposed to be checking on them all the time. And then after a while, you start worrying. Well, still, still no call back, no text, no response, no, no nothing, right? And then it gets kind of late. And then you're really feeling bad. Like, what if something happened, you know? And you have to be careful as a parent because sometimes your imagination wants to run away, right? Like, oh, wow, you know, we think the worst sometimes. Well, it's because of the stories we've heard, the world we live in. We've seen it happen on, on the news in real life to other people. And we know because we've been around long enough to know that, hey, that could happen to you. And so we start wondering, we start worrying, we start panicking. So we called one of our other children and said, you heard from your brother? No. Well, I haven't heard from him either in so long. I think, it, I think by that time it had been more than 24 hours. And I asked, that, I asked the sister, I said, how long is too long? You know, because y'all say we shouldn't, we shouldn't worry, we shouldn't ask, we shouldn't whatever. Okay, so you tell me, uh, when should I worry? <laughs> it was really funny because that's when she started worrying. Well, wait a minute, when did you talk to him last? Well, what, well how long has it been? Wait a minute, oh, wait, let me see if I can call. She, and so they try to call, no answer, no text, no response. And then they call you back, and boy, now they're worrying. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You said don't worry. (laughs) Right? Interesting. See, because they only see from their perspective, sometimes they can't see the parental perspective. So look, you just have to tell your kids sometimes, don't worry. One of these days when you have kids, you'll understand this. But for now, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. Why? Because I I can see things you can't see yet. Trust me on this. Right? This is what we're going to do. It's part of being a leader. You just got to do what you know is right. Sometimes it's not always understood. I don't care how many times I explain certain things to them. They just don't get it. They're not going to get it. Because they haven't experienced what I've experienced. It's like you can't see around the corner. So until they round the corner, they're never going to understand what's over there. Oh, now I know. That's why usually kids come around one day and realize how, uh, now I know how smart you were. You were right, right? Because then experience catches up and the light comes on and wow, you know, mom and dad were right about that. Pretty good, isn't it? So until then, (laughs) until then we work and worry and wait sometimes. It's obvious here that when these people got together, Much good came. And Paul said, I'm looking forward to that time when we can be together again because when we get together, wow, he's saying good things happen. He said, I'm looking forward to the comfort. Or we might say encouragement. Right? And by the way, who who needs encouragement? Well, anyone who's breathing needs encouragement. And, and if they don't need it at this minute, you just hold on a few minutes, they'll need it eventually. So go ahead and just be nice and smile and spread it on thick because I'm going to tell you what, they can take it away with them and they'll need it shortly. We all need encouragement. So give that good word and be that encourager and smile and lift up others. That's what it's all about. It's part of, it's part of the good that comes from the assembly 
And God made us social creatures so that we need that kind of interaction one with another. And Paul was longing for that as he wrote to them and said, I'm looking forward to being with you. He said, I long to see you. Why? That I may be comforted together with you. That means it was going to affect both parties in the same way. Everyone was going to benefit from this time together. Comforted together with you. By the way, that expression, with you, talks about, you know, you know the Lord used that. In Mark 3, 14, he called the disciples, the Bible says, to be with him. And then he sent them forth to preach. And, and when Jesus talked about being in heaven and he talked to the disciples, like John chapter 14, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Right, And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, he said, then I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He's talking about being with him. Right? Wow. That's great. But not only this, notice what Paul said here in verse 12. He said, by the mutual faith, both of you and me. You might underline that expression, mutual faith. You know what he's saying? This is something we, we share. This is something we both have. We, we both bring this faith to the assembly. We both bring it to the table. Isn't that something? Hey, you know, a lot of times we go to church and, and we think, man, if it was dull and boring, we think, man, something wrong with that preacher. He needs to put a few jokes in his outline, right? Or maybe trim a few points off of it. We always think, boy, something went wrong somewhere. Hey, did you know... That when you go to church, did you know that it's 50-50? You bring stuff to the service as well? Hey, did you know that you bring attention and prayer? And did you know that you, bring, you should bring a heart that's, that's yearning, seeking the Lord, seeking the truth? Right? And hey, isn't it interesting that, that the same sermon can be preached? And as people leave the service, one can go by and tell the pastor, Oh, pastor, that was the best message I ever heard. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Boy, God spoke to my heart today. Well, that's good. God bless you. Amen. And a few minutes later, somebody else come along, and they'll say, thank you, Pastor. That was good. But what they're really thinking is, oh, I can't wait to get home. Man, I'll tell you what, that was the most boring service I've ever been in. Right? Can't wait to get to lunch. How can two people sit in the same room, hear the same message, and one be deeply moved and the other untouched completely? Hey, whose fault is that? Right? It is. It's your own fault. Because, you know, a lot of times you get out of something exactly what you put into it. And if we've made no preparation for God to speak to our heart, we've had no thought, we've taken no time to pray, we've had no yearning, no desire, no contemplation, we've, we've sat and we've heard without listening, no wonder we leave unmoved, right? But Paul said, hey, when we get together, that's not the way it goes. He said, when we get together, there's a mutual faith. And he said, that mutual faith is our bond. That's why it's always good. That's why we're comforted. That's why we're sharpened. That's why we're encouraged. That's why we're edified. That's why we're built up. That's why we're thriving. That's why we're growing. Hey, no wonder the whole world's talking about them the mutual faith of you and me. But Paul's not just thankful for their testimony and their company. He was thankful for their spiritual growth. 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we we read that verse there. And in verse 3 of that chapter, Paul said, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And you know, that's the reality of the Christian life. We think that growth should occur, especially in the beginning, right? Somebody should go from zero to a hero in a hurry. Well, they need to go from being non-churched to being uh, sold out for Jesus. And we expect that to happen in about six weeks during our discipleship program, right? No, no, no. Growth is something that, that is continuous. Growth is never-ending, right? We, we should all be growing, not just new believers. Every one of us should be all the time learning and all the time walking with the Lord, all the time reading our Bibles and discovering new things. That's why Paul said about the Scriptures, they're new every morning. God's mercies are new. His, his truths are new. He teaches us always. He said, your faith groweth exceedingly. He didn't say your understanding grows exceedingly, but that's part of it. He didn't say your obedience grows, but that's part of it. He didn't say your attitude grows, but that's part of it. He didn't say your faithfulness grows, but that is part of it. When you put all that together, he said your faith groweth. You know, the essence of our relationship with Christ is faith. Do you really believe him? Do you really trust him? Do you really love him? Will you really obey him? Follow him? You see, all that's wrapped up in faith. And Paul looked at that and said, your faith groweth exceedingly. He was very thankful for that. You know, it is, it is thankfulness. It is encouraging to see other people growing. But guess what? We ourselves need to grow also. And as I read the writings of the Apostle Paul all through the New Testament, I feel that Paul was always himself in a state of growth and growing and moving forward. His faith was always deepening. And you know, that's the problem with many churches today, many Christians today. Individually or collectively, the problem becomes a reality when we stop growing. And our mindset and our ministries may be a mile wide, but they're only an inch thick. And I'm saying, wait a minute, isn't there more to it than this? Isn't the truth of God deeper than that? Shouldn't our relationship with Christ be deeper? Think about it. That's why he got so excited about their growth, because they were broadening and deepening at the same time. Notice also he was thankful for their Christian service. In 2 Thessalonians 1.3, he said that the charity of every one of you, every one of you all toward each other, aboundeth. Notice the word charity. We say, well, charity, that's love. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul explained what that is. Yeah, but charity is not the feeling of love. Charity is the action of love. Charity is not love felt. Charity is love expressed. Think about it. So Paul is writing about their charity. He said, of you all, and then he said, toward each other. So not only are they fulfilling both the personal obligation to grow, but they're fulfilling the personal obligation of serving others and loving others, just like Jesus said, that you love one another. 
They were doing that. He said it's abounding. And I wonder, what would our world look like if we loved one another the way Jesus talked about? What would our church look like if we loved one another the way Jesus described? What would our homes look like if we loved one another the way the Bible tells us that love should be? It would transform our world, wouldn't it? It would transform our relationships. It would transform our life. Paul was thankful. He said, I'm thankful for you, your testimony, your company, your spiritual growth, and your Christian service. You know, there are benefits of being thankful. The Bible says we should be thankful. As a matter of fact, the the Bible is a book written just simultaneously with Christians being being grateful. It's it's almost as if God expects it of us. He, He really does. Just like when Jesus healed the nine lepers or the ten lepers and one turned around to praise him, the first thing he said was, where are the nine? Only one turned around to give thanks and God healed them all. And they did stay healed, by the way, even though they didn't return and give thanks. Aren't you grateful? We should be thankful, not just because not just because God is good and not just because the Bible says so and not just because God expects it, but there's a lot of reasons why we should be thankful. Did you know gratitude improves health? It increases energy. We're more motivated when we're, when we're thankful. It elevates your mood. People are happier this time of year than any other time of year. It keeps you in the present. It increases your patience. Isn't that something? So unless you're Black Friday shopping, you'll be more patient with people. (laughs) Some of y'all catch that later. All right, it provides perspective. It it helps us see things differently. It increases optimism. We tend to have more faith in one another, and we tend to believe more things are possible when we're thankful and grateful. It multiplies the good because when we start counting our blessings, we really do go from one by one to ton by ton because the more, the more we see, the more there is to see. And that's because God really is good. It improves our relationships. It increases resiliency. And last but not least, it makes us happier. Isn't it interesting that as a, as a nation, as a people, we're, we, we pursue happiness. But those who pursue happiness never actually find it. Happiness is fleeting. It's always temporary to them. You know why? Because happiness is a byproduct. When you chase happiness, you can't ever catch it because happiness isn't something to be pursued. If you want to really be happy, then you have to pursue that which makes you happy. And when you achieve that, then you'll be happy. Happiness will be produced. It's a byproduct. It comes from something. Right? And God in his word teaches us all the things that we can pursue that will produce happiness in our life. Gratitude is a big one. Thankfulness is a big one. It's not happy people who are thankful. It's thankful people who are happy. And thankfulness, you can, if, you, if you're in the habit of taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. Thankfulness is a choice. I, I know that sounds oversimplistic, 
But if you're going to be a thankful person, it's going to have to happen on purpose. You just have to choose, I am going to thank God for what I have, for what he's done, for who he is. Thankfulness is a choice. Thankfulness is not a feeling. And thankfulness shouldn't be limited to being a reaction. Thankfulness should be a mindset. And we have to make it so. We do that by choosing to be thankful. It just seems recently that these pieces have come together for me and I more and more realize how important it is to choose to be thankful because gratitude doesn't grow all by itself. It doesn't happen by accident. We have to choose. Paul chose. He said, I'm thankful for you, your testimony, your company, your spiritual growth, and your Christian service. What are you thankful for? Who are you thankful for? I think we could look up and we can see those that made an investment in our life. We certainly could thank God for them. I thank God for the man who paid my way to attend Christian school when I was in the second grade. He made an investment in my life that he did not get to see the return on. And I'm thankful that God had our paths cross again. Later in life, when I was going to take a pastorate in Georgia, and I stopped at the church that he was attending, and I had no idea he was attending there. He was still there after all those years, and he, he came up, and I was able to talk to him. What a blessing. What a blessing it was for him to know that his investment paid off. I thank God for the man who came by every Saturday and knocked on my family's door and said, will you ride the, the church bus? Would you go with us to Sunday school? And I know my family moved several times when I was, when I was young. And it might have taken three or four weeks for him to get around to that area, but eventually there came that knock at the door, just a faithful bus captain. Knocking on doors, inviting kids to Sunday school. Hey, will you ride our bus? Hey, will you ride our bus? And when one bus wasn't enough, that's all right. They got another one. Two buses riding around town, picking up all the kids for Sunday school. What a blessing. I thank God for those people. I thank God for the day I was able to sit in his living room and tell Stanley Tucker, I don't know where all the other bus kids are that you picked up all those years ago, but here's one. God's called me to preach, and I'm serving the Lord, and I just wanted you to know it's be partly because of the investment you made in my life. What a blessing. You know, we can be thankful for those that have made an investment in our life, but could we turn around, and could we think of others that we have invested in? That's what Paul was doing, really. He had turned and was looking downstream, if you will, and he was, he was looking at the people that God had allowed him to be a blessing to and him to invest in. And he was looking at them and saying, I'm thankful for you all because I see what God has done in your life. Oh, don't you think that made him happy? To know that God used him to produce them? What a blessing. How about it today? Who are you thankful for? Maybe it's neighbors, maybe it's family, friends. Can I, can I just share with you the fact that we often think well of those in our life who do us good, but we rarely ever tell them what we really think of them. That's the stuff we usually hear at funerals and such. 
Once in a while, you get a sentence of it in a card for your birthday or Christmas. Hey, I want to encourage you. Once in a while, just stop and give a word and let them know. Let them see the appreciation that's really in your heart. Maybe write them a letter, type an email, send a message, and let them know. Hey, I'm thankful for you. What a blessing that would be. I'm thankful for the privilege that God has given us to serve here at Beckwith during these days. I'm thankful for the privilege we have to work together to serve our Lord because he's been so good to us. We have an opportunity now to do good things for him. Amen. I'm thankful that I've had the privilege of helping churches get organized and get together and take steps forward and grow. I'm looking forward to having that privilege here to be able to help you do the same. But you know, we have a mutual faith, right? And as we come together, let's see those good benefits of that gathering. Let's be encouraged. Let's look to the Lord. Let's choose to be thankful. And let's serve God with charity. That's not just love felt, but love expressed. And let's see what God will do in the days ahead with our gratitude and our gifts and our service. Amen. I say God wants to do great things in and through all of us. And if you just look around this day, this week, this year, you'll see evidence of that. Let's thank him for it. Let's thank God for being good and then for all the good things he does as well. Amen? Let's bow in prayer. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we know you are good because knowing you personally allows us, Lord, to see your heart and then also to see your ways. Lord, you're not only good in who you are, but you're good in what you do. And so we thank you for that. We trust your, we look to your hand because we know your heart and we trust it all. And we just thank you today, the best we know how. We give you praise and honor and glory and thanks for being good and for providing for us and loving us. It all starts with you and one day it's all going to end with you. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the privilege that we have of knowing and serving you and, and at this time of fellowshipping and serving with one another for the mutual faith that we enjoy. We thank you for it. And we ask that you do a work in our hearts now. Guide us. Strengthen us, we pray. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, as we enter this time of invitation, I just want to invite you to respond to the Lord Maybe he's spoken to your heart today. Maybe there's some things that you just need to express gratitude over. Maybe today you just need to choose, make that choice to be thankful. Maybe today there's some people that God has brought to your heart and mind that you need to be thankful for or maybe express thanks to them. Maybe there's people that God wants you to invest in and make a difference in their life. Hey, whatever the case is, I want to invite you to respond to the Lord. Just obey the Lord this morning. I want to invite you to come. You can find a place at this altar, maybe on the front pew. 
find a place and talk to the Lord about it. Let him know that you heard from him today and ask him to help you to do exactly what he's laid on your heart to do. Bathe it in prayer. Give those words of thanks and praise. God will certainly receive it at your hand.